welcome to uh, week two of our series called The Journey. As, uh, as Mike said last week, this series really is more about the journey than it is the destination. And as Christians, he, he said to us last week, he reminded us that there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is this, that for us on our spiritual journey, we're definitely heading towards a, a destination that is worth traveling toward. The bad news is that we're just not going to get there in our lifetime. And um, it's really what this series is all about. In this series, we're following the life of a, of a man named Abraham in the Bible, and we're really following his story of faith. And as we're doing that, as we follow his story, we discover in our lives that how we can become people of faith as well. Because our goal is to become fully responsive to God, not holding anything back, trusting him with everything that we have and everything that we are. Several years ago, uh, I met a student, his name was Kyle, when I was a, a student ministry pastor, and uh, uh, I met Kyle at a high school football game. In fact, Grace, uh, Grace was a student in our ministry, she introduced me, Grace, really cool story, Grace actually has moved here to the Raleigh area, and she attends Hope now, but, um, but when Grace introduced me to Kyle, Kyle kind of stood out, it was very hard to miss Kyle, because he was six foot nine as a junior, right, I mean, he was, he was huge, and, and I quickly discovered a couple things about Kyle, one is that I couldn't complain about the headroom in my car anymore because he was like sideways, like a giraffe stuffed in there. And the other is I was really confident that our, our church basketball team was going to get a lot better this year. And so um, we hung out with Kyle and uh, I would go to the football games and talk to him. We invited him to our student ministry. Uh, Kyle eventually came. We went to all of his basketball games and, and hung out. And uh, eventually, eventually Kyle gave his life to Jesus. And we went undefeated as a church basketball team. And it was unbelievable. Actually, we didn't. We were still terrible. But, but it was so great to watch God do some incredible things in Kyle's life. And I remember, I remember the day that Kyle came to me and said, Donnie, I just received a scholarship to Western Illinois University to go play basketball. And, and I was so excited for Kyle and so excited about what God was doing in his life. And, and I remember I made a promise to him that day. I said, Kyle, I'm going to come watch you play. It was a few hours from where we lived, but I said, I'm going to come watch you play this season multiple times. And Long story medium, unfortunately, some things kind of changed in our life. And before Kyle actually got to play his first college game, we were moving our family from Illinois to Southern California. And I remember our last Sunday at that church and, and Kyle coming up to me afterwards and, and he gave me a big hug. And I remember that because my head was right in his armpit, right? And that was because he was so tall. And so for any people that I've done that to, I, I apologize. And, and he said, Donnie, I've got a gift for you. I, I was thinking maybe deodorant would have been a good gift had you put some more of that on. But, but I was like, dude, you didn't need to give me anything. He said, I've got a couple of tickets for you to come watch me play in Los Angeles against UCLA. And I was like, no way, dude, like how cool is this? And so I was actually gonna be able to kind of fulfill my promise and, and come watch Kyle play basketball. And, and so we went and, and if you've never been to a college basketball game, you don't realize when you're watching on TV just how huge those guys are, right? We were just a few rows up from the court and kind of the family section and, and Kyle was 6'9". There were guys that made him look short. Like it was just, it was amazing to watch. And Kyle was a freshman, so he didn't get to play a lot. But when he played, he played great. His team didn't. They were terrible. They got destroyed by UCLA. But I remember we found him afterwards and we said, Kyle, is there any way we could hang out? Could we, could we take you out for dinner tonight? And he said, well, let me go ask my coach. And the coach said, yeah. We followed his bus back to the hotel and we picked up Kyle. 
And the only thing that was open around his hotel at that time of night was a cheesecake factory. And so we went to the cheesecake factory and, and at this stage in our life and in this ministry, right, I was actually doing an, an unpaid internship uh, at the church that I was at. And so I would send out support letters and, and sometimes people would send some money back. And Laura didn't have a job in those first few months. That was another story, but it had fallen through. She had just gotten a job, but we were, we were poor, right? We, we really were. And, and so we, uh, we were living in a, in a two-bedroom apartment that cost us about $1,600 a month, uh, which in Southern California, it's actually cheap now, but that's what it was at that time. And we had like zero income coming in. Uh, I was driving an 82 Toyota Corolla that the church had given to me, and it was everything that you would picture an 82 Toyota Corolla to be. In fact, we were so poor. I mean, we lived in, in Orange County, and so it was a very affluent area. Uh, Ty's friends, when their teeth would fall out, they'd put the, the tooth under their pillow, and the tooth fairy would bring them Xbox games. I mean, that's what, that's what they got. Uh, when Ty, when his teeth fell out, he'd get a, a voucher to go to his friend's house and play their Xbox games, right? Like, that's how, that's how poor we were growing up, and, or, or living in, in Southern California. It was crazy. And, uh, and I knew Kyle was a poor college kid as well. And I could tell as he was flipping through the menu that, that he just didn't have much. And I remember asking him, I'm like, dude, what are you gonna have to, to eat? And he said, I don't know, maybe crackers and water or something. I, I just played. And, and I was like, no, right? It can't be that. Now I remember God leading me in that moment. I remember him leading to say, you gotta pay for this kid's dinner. And then I remember making eye contact with Laura who is the financially responsible one in our family, right? And I remember making eye contact with her and she was giving me the, don't do what I think you're about to do, look, right? She's like, don't you do what you're thinking. And so I did it. Um, and I was like, Kyle, get whatever you want, buddy. It's on us. Don't even worry about it. And all of a sudden, Kyle went, I, see, I forgot a, a hungry six foot nine basketball player. He, he wasn't just ordering items off the menu. He was ordering by pages. He was like, I'll take this page and then this page. And, and uh, so eventually they came around to me and the waitress said, well, would you like? I said, crackers and water, right? I'm like, it's a Jesus thing. I'm fasting, very spiritual. And, and so our bill came back at the end of that dinner and it was like 70 plus dollars for like the three of us. And I know for some of us, that's like, that's not that big of a deal. But for us at, at that time, right? It, it was a huge deal. It was worth more than my car at, at that moment. And, and we didn't have anything in the bank. And, uh, and I remember thinking to myself, well, I'm, I'm in ministry, right? And so I'm probably never gonna retire anyway, so I'll just work it off. And Ty doesn't need to go to college. I mean, that's overrated. I mean, we'll just figure it out. And I broke every Dave Ramsey rule, putting it on my credit card and just thinking, I've got 30 days to figure out how to deal with this, with this bill. Well, the next morning I went into the office early because the couch that I was sleeping on wasn't very comfortable. And, uh, and when I got there, I decided I should go in and write some support letters, right? Like, hey, incredible ministry's happening. Please help us, right? Like we need, we need money. And when I got there and I sat down at my desk, there was a, an, an envelope on my keyboard. And I took that envelope and I opened it up. And when I opened it, it was a, a note and a, and a check fell from it. And it was from Megan. Megan was one of the, the high school, one of my team, on, on, one of the teammates on my high school ministry team, the team that I was on. And I read the note and it was an incredible note. And I reached down and I picked up the check and I looked at it. And it was for 70 plus dollars. In fact, it was about 23 cents more than what our bill was that night. And I remember tears started flowing down my cheeks, right? I, I was obviously allergic to something and, uh, and I wasn't sure what it, what it was. But, but Megan, there was a couple of us that had come into the office early that morning and, and Megan had obviously already been there. And I went and I found Megan. I said, Megan, I, I just have to thank you, but I've got two questions for you. I'm like, why and why that amount? 
And she said, Donnie, I don't know. She said, I just, this morning, God just laid on my heart that I needed to write you a, a check and, and I just did what, what God told me to do. And then I went on to tell her the story of, of Kyle and how he gave his life to Christ and, and what happened that night before. And, and both of us became allergic to something, right? And, and tears, were, tears were coming down our cheeks. You see, that's often how God works. When we obey him, not only will he use us to bless someone else, but God has a way of coming back and blessing us at the exact same time. See, the word obey is used all throughout the Bible. But I know it's one of those words that kind of has a, a negative feel to it, doesn't it? For some of us, it sounds a lot more like religion than it does relationship. And then when we hear that word obey, we just think that God's just got a whole bunch of rules. He's got all of his to-dos and his to-don'ts, right, that we're supposed to, to follow. And for some of you, maybe you're even just, maybe you're just checking out this whole Christian thing and you're like, see, yeah, that's the thing that I don't get, how you just blindly obey this God that you can't see. But that's not the picture in the Bible at all. That's not the picture of what a relationship with God should look like. See, maybe, I don't know, maybe this concept came from, from our parents and our families. Right, when our parents would ask us to do something and we would ask the question, the, the, the perfect question, the appropriate question, the right question, why? Right, why do, I have to, why do I have to do what it is that you asked me to do? And then they would give a response, a response that would frustrate us, right, as, as children and as teenagers, the response that we said we will never use when we become parents until our kids ask us questions that we don't have answers to. And then we go to that magic answer, because I said so, right? And maybe that's, maybe that's where this came from that all of a sudden we, we just knew that if we didn't do what they told us to do, that we'd be in trouble. And so maybe that's what shaped this understanding of obedience for us, that it's a rule-based thing, that it's a, a fear-based thing. But that's not the, the picture of what a relationship with God looks like. And that's not what we're gonna see in the life of Abraham. So what is, what is obedience? See, for many of us, I think obedience is a, it's a conditional thing. We're like, okay, God, I'm, I'm in. Right, but as long as you're, as long as you're delivering. God, I, I'm in, right? I'll do what it is you want me to do as long as it doesn't cost me too much. But God, I, I'm, I'm in, right? I'll do it as long as I see the results that I wanna see. But if, if it gets uncomfortable, if it gets inconvenient in any way, God, if, I, if all of a sudden I think that you're not doing the things that I think you should be doing, then, then I, I'm gonna probably pull back on my obedience. It's conditional obedience. See, too often I think we, we just think, well, I'm obeying God. I mean, I go to church once or twice a month, whether I need to or not, right? I'm there or I helped a lady cross the road. I'm a good person. Therefore, nothing bad should happen to me. I'm obeying, right? So we should have kids that never, that never embarrass us. That should just be a rule that comes with obedience. Or I should make an A on my Algebra 2 exam because I read my Bible this morning. My football team should go undefeated this year because I'm a strong Christian, right? Those are the ways that we think. Those are the ways that we feel. The reality though is that in our obedience to God, in our relationship to God, we're going to face obstacles. We're gonna face opposition. See, life is filled with it. It's filled with it in our marriage. It's filled with it in our families, whether it's aging parents or, or kids or middle schoolers, which, which in Greek means obstacles. That's, that's what, literally what that, what that word means. Maybe it's at work or, or it's at school. It's in our finances, in our relationships, with our health. See, here's what you need to know. If you're not ready to face obstacles, if you're not ready to face oppositions in your obedience to God, then you're not ready to be used by God. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 13. 
And if you don't have your Bible with you today, that's okay. You can download the app and uh, we've got notes in there or uh, you can follow along on the side screens as well. And while some of you are turning to Genesis 13, let me just give you a little bit of the context and kind of catch you up with uh, where we were from last week and and what Mike talked about. Uh, God created Adam and and Eve, right? And really he created for us this perfect environment, a a perfect planet, a, a perfect relationship with him. That was God's intention from the very beginning. But Adam and Eve did the, the one thing, right? You had one job. They did the one thing that God asked them not to do. And they went and they did it. And, and by, by doing that, their sin changed everything. Their sin impacted everyone. And then in Genesis 6, Mike showed us this last week. All of a sudden, God gets to this place where he recognizes, he looks, and he says, humans are so evil, right? There's just so much evil in their heart. I'm just going to start over. And so God chooses Noah and his family. And out of Noah comes this guy named Abram. Right Later, we're, we're going to see his name has changed to Abraham, and that's who we're talking about in this series. But God decided through Abraham to do things a little bit differently. He wasn't just going to work through a family anymore. Now he was going to create a nation. And then hopefully by this nation, the, the other nations will see how great of a God we have. And so to create that nation, God made a promise to Abraham. And he asked him to trust him. He said, I want you to leave your family, leave where you are, and I want you to go. I want you to follow. I'm not gonna tell you where you go until you get there. I'll tell you when you're there, but but that's the promise that I'm giving to you is that through this, if you're obedient to me, I'm going to make you an incredible nation. There's gonna be an incredible nation that will come out. Genesis 13, verse one says this. So Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev, where his wife and everything he, with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock, in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abraham called on the name of the Lord. See, life seems really good for Abraham, doesn't it? I mean, his, his wife, his, his family are, are healthy. They're, they're incredibly wealthy. And God has led them to the promised land, this place that he had had said, I want you to leave and go. And and, and they got to this place. Although things seemed to be going very well for Abraham, what we're gonna see is that he faced several significant obstacles in his journey following God. The first one that he faced was a a famine. And Mike talked about this last week in, in Genesis 12, verse 10. It says, now there was a famine in the land and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. See, this wasn't a, an unusual phenomenon in, in Canaan. Families, it would, this would happen, famines would occur. In fact, it was gonna occur two more times in the book of Genesis. And one big story, the story of Joseph, right, is, is built around one of those famines. And so this famine, it forced Abraham and his family to leave the promised land, to leave the land that God had given to them and to go to Egypt. But I think it's interesting, right, that God is, or Abraham is still holding on to the promise that God gave him. He didn't go home. He didn't go back to Ur. He didn't go back to his family. He didn't go back to what was familiar. He didn't go back to what was comfortable. He went to a place that would provide in the meantime, which leaves a question, what famines are you facing? Yours may not be food, although that's a a real need in, in all of our communities. Maybe it's, it's clothes. You've seen as you walked in today, there's, there's clothing at, at all of our campuses. We're running a clothing boutique this week. And what an incredible opportunity for us to live out our mission, to come alongside and to, to serve others and to help people in our community by providing in a very practical way things that they may need. 
And there's an opportunity for you to be a part of that this week, a way to love others. Your famine may be, may be some other kind of loss though. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe you didn't get the, the promotion you were hoping for. Maybe your job, maybe it's a, a startup or, or your business just isn't as successful as you hoped it would be by this point. You're working long hours and it's impacting the lives of people around you. Maybe it's a loss of a dream. You didn't make the team. You, you don't have the grades that you were hoping for, which means you didn't get the scholarship that you were counting on. You didn't get into the college that you wanted or within that college you didn't get into the program that, that was your dream. Maybe it's a loss of a relationship. Maybe their decision Maybe the consequence of something you decided. Maybe it's a, a loss in your health and, and a health issue. See, whatever your famine is, it's an obstacle that, that you didn't see coming. But the struggle is, is very real, isn't it? Second obstacle that Abraham faced was in his finances. Verse five says this, now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. Now, that sounds like an incredible problem to have, doesn't it, right? I mean, Abraham has so much that their current situation can't, can't sustain them. Maybe your obstacle is, is that you have too much. Maybe you have so much that your current situation can't sustain you. And so you've moved all of your extra into an extra closet or, or maybe then to the attic or a garage or maybe you've even had to rent an additional space to hold all of the stuff that can't fit into the space that we have. Maybe getting a little too close to home with that. Maybe your obstacle isn't enough. No matter how hard you try, you just can't seem to get ahead. You, you kind of get caught up. You're just about to start saving and then a, a car obstacle happens. And you bounce back from that and you kind of get back to zero and then a house obstacle happens. See, recent studies still has finances as the greatest stressor in Americans' lives. See, whether it's too much, whether it's not enough, or whether it's just, just not using wisely what it is that God has given us, this isn't new. We're 13 chapters into the Bible and Abraham is dealing with some of the same things that we deal with. Here's his third obstacle. It was his family. Verse seven says this. So Abraham said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. How many of you are dreading the holidays? Don't, don't put your hands up, right? Because the reason you may be dreading it is the mother of the person sitting next to you and you don't wanna, you don't wanna give that away right now. But surrounded by hostile neighbors, right? Abraham and Lot, their herders should have pulled together in this time. This should have been something where they were, where they were working together. They were helping each other. But instead, petty jealousy and selfishness, greed begin to tear them apart. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure that's never happened in your family, right? It's never happened in mine. There's never been arguing or anger or selfishness that's led to separation or maybe even divorce. Family members that, that just don't talk to each other anymore. See, obstacles and opposition, it's not optional. It's, it's a part of life. See, there's, a, I think, a misconception out there that if you obey Jesus, that everything in your life is, is, is gonna become easier, that everything in your life will be better, that everything in your life will be perfect. That's what I thought when I was in high school. I thought if I started following Jesus, my acne was gonna clear up and I'd be able to start talking to girls, right? I was very excited. Problem is, is it neither happened. I just had Jesus and acne and still no girlfriend, right? It just, that was the reality of my life. See, if you're checking out this whole Jesus thing, welcome. But, or maybe you're just new in your, in your relationship with God. I want you to know that that's just not true. 
Or maybe, maybe you've been following Jesus for some amount of time and you're just hoping that if I'm obedient to Jesus, right, that everything in my life is just gonna become easy, everything's gonna be perfect. The answer is that that's wrong. For Abraham, every single act of obedience was met with opposition. And the reality is, is that the same is true for us. And, and if you want to boldly obey God, then you can just go ahead and, and you can put it down on your calendar, right? Because opposition is coming. And so don't worry about when you're going to meet opposition. In fact, we should be worried more about the fact if we don't meet opposition in our lives, because maybe that means we're actually not obeying God. When you face obstacles, when you face opposition, Understand and recognize, that's just part of the journey, but there are opportunities for us to obey, to act on the love and the faith that we have in God and what he's done in our lives. See, the question is this, is will I obey even when times are hard? Will I obey even when it doesn't make sense? Will I obey even when the obstacles are, are so real and so painful and so big in my life? See, Abraham shows us some requirements of obeying God even in the face of obstacles and opposition. Verse nine says this, Abraham said this to Lot. He said, is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, then, then I'll go to the left. And, and I think here's the first thing, right? The first requirement of obedience that Abraham shows us. Obedience requires that you take a risk. Facing the potential conflict with Lot, Abraham decides that he's going to take the initiative. He's going to begin to, to settle this dispute. And so he gave Lot the very first choice. Even though Abraham, right, being older, it means that, that he had the right to go first. He had the right to choose the, the best land, even though it showed a willingness to take a risk, a willingness to risk being cheated, a, a willingness to risk getting less. Remember, God promised this land to Abraham. He didn't promise it to Lot. But Abraham's generosity, it's an act of faith. It's an act of obedience. It's Abraham trusting God completely with this. That even if, even if I give the best land away, even if Lot chooses to take that, God, I trust that you're gonna provide. I trust that you're going to take care of my needs because you gave me this promise. And I'm holding on to that. See, he's on this journey because he trusted and he obeyed God. And so why would he stop trusting? Why would he stop obeying now? Risk is always gonna be a part of obedience. If God tells you to take a, a step of faith and you hesitate because, because maybe God hasn't shown you what the next step is going to be or the next few steps, then you're not obeying God. See, God uses risk, large risks and, and small risks in our lives because it pushes us into a deeper faith. God wants us to step forward in faith. Even though we wanna know what the next step is, we wanna know the outcome, we wanna see the destination, God says, that's not what's, what's most important for you right now. The not knowing is what requires faith. The not knowing is what is going to compel you to rely on God to guide you when you can't see where you're going, when you don't know what the destination looks like. See, regardless of what we see on the other side of a, of a God-directed risk, the reality is that no matter what's over there, no matter what it is on the other side of this, God is there. That God is always going to be there in front of us. That God is always going to be there with us. Luke 19, 26, in the message, Jesus said this, risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of. 
Rick Warren said, what seems to be no guarantee situation actually comes with the greatest guarantee of all, a God guarantee that he's working in your life. And with this guarantee from God, you can enter into risky obedience by attempting things that are impossible unless God gives you the strength to do them. Verse 10, chapter 13, Lot looked around and he saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Here's the second requirement of obedience. Obedience requires that you let go. See, in these verses, we see a lot, of, a lot of Lot's character. We see that he wanted the best share of the land, so we see a little bit of his greed. We see that, that he knew, even though there was a, a city that was known for, for how, much, how, how sinful it was and, and how depraved it was, his pride showed up to say, that's not gonna impact me. I know we're neighbors, we're gonna be right there, but that's not gonna influence me in any way. I'm better than that. Lot's choice was completely selfish because he wasn't concerned about what Abraham needed and he wasn't even trusting to see where it was that God was leading. So we see this garden scene with Adam and Eve kind of played all over again a few chapters later. There's this pattern that's developing in humanity that we want what we want and that we're gonna do whatever it takes to give in to our cravings. See, life is a series of choices, but, but before we get too quick to judge Lot, the reality is, is that we do the same in, in our lives, that oftentimes we choose things that are better for us, ignoring the needs, ignoring the feelings of those around us, forgetting to include God in that decision. But in these few verses, we also see Abraham's character and we see his faith. His, the character of Abraham to put Lot's needs in front of his own. He said, you go ahead. You choose whatever, whatever side you want. You choose the land that you want. I'll, I'll take what's left over. But we also see his faith because he was willing to let go. He didn't hold on to his right to go first. He didn't hold on to the, the best land, even though it's what God had promised to him. He didn't hold on to what was fair in his life. He let those things go. The only thing that Abraham held on to was the promise that God had given him and God's faithfulness in the journey so far. See, obedience is always, always connected to choices. It's always connected to options that we need to be willing to let go of. Mike said this last week. He said that we're gonna see this throughout this entire journey, throughout this entire series. And he asked us this question, what are you holding on to so tightly that it's preventing you from fully trusting God? Henry Blackaby said that we're free to make the choice, but we're not free from the consequences of the choices. See, maybe for you, maybe it's, a, maybe it's part of your job, part of your career, maybe it's a promotion, right? That all of a sudden you, you get a chance. Maybe there's a, a raise that's involved. Maybe it's a, a new title, it's a, a new level of authority. It's the corner office, it's a, it's a new expense budget, right? All of these things that are yours, but maybe it's coming at the expense of longer hours, increased stress levels in your life. Maybe the, the lines of integrity are getting a little bit fuzzier and maybe, maybe we need to let it go. Maybe it's in a relationship, a relationship that feels safe. 
it's probably not the healthiest relationship. It's probably not the best relationship, but nobody wants to be alone, right? Nobody wants that. Maybe it's someone that you know, is, they're just not following Jesus. But, but you know, I think it's just a season, Donnie. I, th- I, think, I think eventually, right, I'll be able to help them get there. I mean, I, I think it's just a season. It, it'll be fine. I'm pretty sure it's gonna work out. Or maybe it's someone that loves Jesus in your life, but, but you've got different dreams, different desires. You're heading in different directions. Maybe it's someone in your life that you've just known for a long, long time. Known them since high school, but they're, yeah, I know they're making bad choices. I know they're making bad decisions. And I know, I'll admit that sometimes when I hang around them that I make those, those bad choices too. Maybe, maybe we need to let it go. See, when we stop making choices in God's direction, the only option is that we begin to make choices in the wrong direction. Number three, obedience requires that you keep trusting even when you don't see it. Abraham could give Lot the choice land, right? Because he believed the promise that God had given him. Abraham waited for God to give him that land, even if it wasn't the best. Because obedience always comes with the choice of trusting God, even even if. Even if it's not exactly the best thing. Even if it's not what I wanted. Even if I don't know how it's gonna turn out. Verse 14, the Lord said to Abraham, After Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are, to the north and the south, to the east and the west, all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that no one could count the dust. And then your offspring, sorry, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am. I'm giving it to you. Say, Abraham, this is it. Abraham, you're in the promised land. You're here. You've arrived at the destination. Look around you in every direction, as far as you can see, all of this is yours. And it's not just yours, Abraham. It's not just yours. It's going to be your kids and it's going to be their kids, right? And it's going to be yours forever. And speaking of children, there are going to be so many children, at which point I wonder if Abraham was like, hold on, time out, time out, God, right? Hold on, right? We never said anything about kids before. You just said, I thought I was going to be voted into this nation thing, right? We didn't, we didn't say this. This is, this is new information. It's not fake news. This is new news, right? Abraham's like, hold on, hold on. God, God, I, I imagine that God looks down and he goes, how do you like it, Abe? Right? Well, pretty great, eh? Because my God's got a Canadian accent. And that's what I, I think how, how he talks. What I love about this is that God gave him more, but he didn't give him everything. See, God gave him one step, one clear step. He said, go. And Abraham said, okay. And then so he went. And because of his obedience, now God is giving him more. He said, this is your land. And and it's your land for your kids and it's yours forever. But the problem is this, there are no kids. Abraham doesn't have a son. There's no offspring to provide the countless offspring that God is, is promising here. You see, obedience requires that you keep trusting even when you don't see it. What do you do when life doesn't make sense? See, that's a question that Abraham's facing. One of life's probably biggest questions in our lives. Will I trust God when life doesn't make sense? Will I obey God when I just don't understand? When I can't see how it's gonna turn out? It's one of the questions that determines how we handle the journey. See, too often we quit when life gets hard. Finally, verse 18. So Abraham went and lived near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Here's the the fourth requirement. Obedience requires you to stay. 
as long as God takes. See, there's two things that happen right here. He set up a camp. Abraham says that this is going to be home, right? This is where we're going to live. And, and I know in my life, when things are uncomfortable, when things are unknown, when things are uncertain, what I wanna do is I wanna go back to what's familiar. I wanna go back to what's safe. I wanna go back to relationships that I know might not be the best for me, right? But they're, they're comfortable. I wanna go back to habits that I know aren't necessarily healthy, but I know what the expectations are. I know what the results are going to be. Not Abraham, in the face of obstacles, in the face of a trusted future with an unknown path of how to get there, he, he stays and he waits. Some of us just need to stay and wait. Second thing he did is he built an altar, a place to worship. Mike talked about this last week. See, even with the obstacles, even with the uncertainties in Abraham's life, his response was to worship God. When things in your life aren't going the way you planned, when they're not going the way that you hoped, you still have the choice to thank God for his faithfulness, to thank God for his goodness, to thank God for his provision in your life, and you stay there until God shows you what's next. You see, obstacles and, and opposition are always opportunities for obedience. And so Abe went, and he stayed. Even though it was tough, he was obedient. Because part of the journey is always gonna include obstacles, it's what you do in the face of them that matters. If I'm going to experience a, a greater le measure of, of God's power in my life, then it, it usually starts with the first step principle, right? It begins by, by my acting in faith, by made my taking a step of obedience and following God, even though I don't know where it's leading, even though it, it might not even make sense to me that I choose to obey. Because when we say yes, what happens is it sets, it sets in motion an adventure. It sets in motion a journey that will leave us forever changed. God is inviting you into this journey with him. But at the same time, he never promises that it's going to be easy. And so what do I do this week? Well, here's a couple things. First is this, is you identify your obstacle. What's your obstacle? What obstacle are you currently facing? And, and the reality is, is that you probably have more than one. Ab Abraham did. Right? He had more than one obstacle that he faced at the same time. Because when you run into an obstacle, very rarely does it stay confined to just one part of your life. It usually bleeds over into every area of your life. What is your obstacle? Or if you have several that you're facing right now, then choose one. Maybe you choose the smallest one. I just wanna maybe gain some confidence. And so God, will you just help me to face that obstacle? Will you help me to, to, to work through that one? And then with some confidence, I'll, I'll attack some of the other obstacles in my life. Or maybe you choose to go after the biggest one. Because I, I think, God, if you could help me with that obstacle in my life, that, that opposition, if that was removed from my life, I think everything else would, would disappear. Everything else would fall into place. Second thing is that you identify your obedience stage. First is, do you, do you need to take a risk? Do you need to ask for help? Do you need to make a tough decision in your life? Do you need to say no to something or to someone so that you can say yes to something or someone else or something better? Do you need to let go of something? Maybe it's an unhealthy pursuit. Maybe it's an unhealthy relationship. Maybe it's letting go of what's fair. Maybe you need to confess something or you need to forgive someone. You just need to let go and, and maybe just let God. Do you need to trust God even though you don't know what's coming next? Not sure how this is gonna work out. But God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna step in, in faith. Right? I'm gonna hold on to your promises because I truly believe, God, that you want what's best for me. And God, you're not gonna turn your back on me. 
You're a big God. You're in control. You're not going to leave me on my own in this. Some of you have done that, and you're in a place where you just need to now stay, where you just stay and you wait for God to show you what's next. You stay and wait for God to do what it is that he is going to do in your life. Because if you follow God to the promised land, and the promise hasn't shown up yet, then what you do is you stay and you wait. See, we want the destination, but God is more interested in the journey because it's through the journey that he can teach us and prepare us for what's coming next. God is so big. He's so in control. He cares so much about you. He has a plan, and it's so important to know that he hasn't forgotten you. Waiting is terrible. It is, but it's character developing. And so if you keep doing the right things, if you keep trusting, if you keep waiting on God, and remember that this is a journey. The last thing you do then is you just obey. When you know what your obstacle is and you know what, what stage you're at, then you just need to go. Or maybe today you need to take a risk or you need to let go of something or you need to trust God when it doesn't make sense or you just need to stay where you are and wait for God to show up. See, the question is, is will we be obedient in the tough times so that God can trust that we'll be obedient in the good times? Everything in life is a, is a test. And what we're gonna see in this journey is that even though Abraham blows it and, and messes up multiple times, that God doesn't turn his back on Abraham and he's not gonna ever turn his back on you either. Obstacles and opposition, they're opportunities for obedience and obedience always leads to growth. Will you bow your head with me? So we can't change or, or control the obstacles that we face and I want you to know today, it's, it's totally normal to, to not understand what's happening or why it's happening or, or what's next. It's okay to not like those obstacles in your life. But what we can control is how we respond. And we can trust that God has a plan, that he cares about us, that he, he wants the very best for us. And when we obey God, the amazing thing that happens is that, is that worry begins to disappear in our lives because God shows up and the more that God shows up, right, the more we obey and the more that that worry disappears and the more God shows up, then we stop being surprised by it. In fact, we, we can eventually get to a place where we actually expect it. And that's faith. That's the journey that, that we're gonna see throughout these coming weeks. Imagine, imagine God isn't just beside you, but imagine he's in front of you saying, come on, just trust me. We've got this together. And imagine the impact that that would have on your family. Imagine the impact that would have in your job at, at school in your neighborhood with your neighbors and, and your friends. God, we, we thank you. We all face obstacles in our lives. We all have famines. God, we all have financial struggles. We all have family issues. Father, like Abraham, we have a choice to either abandon you or to obey you. And Jesus, I'm so grateful that in the face of my sin, in the face of our sin, in the face of being separated from your father, you didn't abandon us, but you obeyed your father. And that through your death and through your resurrection on that cross, that we were forgiven of our sins, that we were restored in our relationship with you and that we are set up to have the greatest life possible in this, in this lifetime. God, not easy, not free of obstacles, but guided by your spirit, a chance to obey you. And so Father, will you give us the wisdom and the courage to take a risk, to let go, to trust you when it doesn't make sense and to stay and worship and to wait until you show up and show us what's next. God, we love you and we thank you. We pray all these things in your name, amen.